Well, I'm going to take one more opportunity to say it because I haven't got to say it to you since it happened, but Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I, too, was hoping that the Chiefs would make it a little happier for you. I was, but, but they didn't. But hear me, that doesn't mean that 2018 is defeated for you. If that's the way you think, you have lived 23 out of the last 24 years a defeated life, right? And you need a word from God. You do. And so that's why we're here today. And I really do wish you a, a happy new year. And I, I hope that you're off to a good start. There are some things I want to share with you today that I really think can point us in that direction. Um, I'm glad that you didn't let a little wet stuff keep you away today. I'm glad that you didn't let the drama of the weather people keep you away today. I, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. If you're here for the first time, or maybe you're listening or watching online for the first time, um, we welcome you, and we really are glad that, uh, that you're here. My name is Jeff, and I'm grateful for the chance to share with you today. New Year is an opportunity to think about how you live, isn't it? It's a chance to think about how we live. It's the chance to evaluate the impact of our life. A chance to pause and ask the question, am I making a difference? And for this series, kicking off the new year, we want to frame it this way. It is a challenge to live so as to be missed. Be missed. To live your life in such a way that if you were not there, you would be missed. It infers that some impact is being made, that some difference really is happening. I'm challenging you to start the year with evaluating the question, where would you be missed? Where in your life would you be missed? A long time ago, I was challenged with the question, Jeff, if your church suddenly closed its doors, would the community care? That's a good question. If your church suddenly closed its doors, would the community care? It's not saying would the church people get upset because they would hate for that to happen. It's not saying would, would you know, some people you know, maybe even celebrate. It's would the community, would the neighborhoods and the towns, the territories in which you live, would you be missed? And in 2018, I want us to make sure that the answer is an unquestionable, overwhelming yes. The answer is yes. For you personally, you are living a life that would be missed. And for us as a church, we are doing what we are supposed to be doing and connecting in the lives of people that you would be missed. We are going to study the life of one individual the story is recorded in the New Testament of your Bible. 
This is a guy so instrumental to the New Testament church, the early church. I describe it this way. You ever seen a team, maybe it's a, a football team, could be a basketball team, whatever team, it, you, and, and it's got like really talented people on it. I mean, really gifted athletes, you know, just, they got, they just have it. You, you look at them and you, you walk down the lineup and you go, they're incredibly talented. But have you ever seen that team win they don't win together. They don't win together. They got crazy talent, but, but they don't seem to operate. They don't, they don't work well together until that team brings in another certain individual. And, and that guy or that girl sort of suddenly is able to make all those talented parts work together on the field, in the locker room, and suddenly they win. And coaches know that that person is just so valuable to how a team operates, that's the guy. That's the guy that we're looking at in this story. It says in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, that in Jerusalem, Stephen, one of the followers of Jesus, had been killed for his faith in Jesus. Now this is after Jesus' death and his resurrection. Stephen, bold in his faith, is killed. And when many other Jesus followers were threatened, they scattered all over the Mediterranean territory. Some of them went about 400 miles north to Antioch. A place called Antioch where they preached the good news of Jesus, in this case, to what the Bible calls Gentiles. Now, when the Bible talks about Gentiles, what it means is anybody that's not a Jew. The Jewish people were God's people, right? That's primarily who lives in and around Jerusalem and Israel. But, but there, there were this gospel, this good news was for the whole world. And so they began to preach it to Gentiles, and it says that a great number believed. And that's where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, verse 22. Look at what it says. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. What news? Did, no, what news? The news that Gentiles are now putting their faith in Jesus. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Barnabas, that's our man. Barnabas with a capital B. This is a man who lived so as to be missed. This is the guy you want in the locker room. This is the guy you want on the field. He's the guy who was so instrumental in seeing the early church really live out what God wanted them to live out. Here's what we know about Barnabas. Acts chapter 4, verse 36 his name is actually Joseph. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So his real name's Joe, his real name's Joseph, but he gets a nickname. 
The, the apostles give him a nickname, and the nickname that they give him is the name that we most know him by. It's Barnabas. It means encourager. Son of encourager. I joke about some of us have been called sons of things before, right? But son of encourager, that, that's, that's good. That's good. I bet Barnabas was a morning person. You think? I mean, I just bet he was. I bet he's one of those people that wake up in the morning like ready to go, right? I bet he's a guy with some energy. He just, I just, I read his story and I, I see him being that way. I think Barnabas is one of those people that doesn't worry about whether or not the glass is half empty or it's half full. He's just a guy who's always filling the glass. He's just always filling the glass. Whoever he meets, whoever he encounters, whatever the circumstance, he's just he's son of encourager. He's just filling up the glass. And today, I want to kick this off by just trying to show you a little bit of Barnabas' heart. And then in the weeks that follow, I want to show you the action that that led to out of his heart. Actions that will lead you if you want to make an impact. And actions that should lead us as a church if we want to operate in such a way that we would be missed. So back, back to Acts chapter 11, verse 23. When he, Barnabas, arrived and saw what the grace of God had done. He was glad and, what's the word? Yeah, shocker, encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. I want us to hang out on, on that verse for a second. What is it that makes Barnabas tick? What is it that makes Barnabas such a man? What, what is it that makes him someone who would be missed? Well, obviously, Dr. Luke, who, who records Acts, he thinks a lot of Barnabas because he calls him a good man. He's a good man. But he's quick to clarify how that could happen because he's a man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Now I want to show you for a second, the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians shows us how this works together. This is what we're told in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which we would often say patience, Kindness and what? What? Goodness. The fruit of the Spirit, which means what the, what the Spirit produces in our lives. The Apostle Paul connects the Spirit to goodness. You don't get the Holy Spirit because you're good. But when the Holy Spirit takes charge of your life and begins to work, he produces goodness. But we got a part in that. We're not just called to be passive. And I, I think that's why it's recorded that, that Barnabas was a man full of the Holy Spirit and what? Faith. 
full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Faith is what we do. And so Paul also says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 2, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? And he's saying the answer is obvious. You didn't get what you got in the Holy Spirit by working. You got what you got because you believed. You got it because of faith. You trusted in the word of God that's true. And then he says in verse 5, Galatians chapter 3, verse 5, So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by you believing what you heard? And the answer again is supposed to be this obvious, you believed. You believed. You believed in God's word. And so Paul, he frames it this way. He goes, look, the answer is faith. The Holy Spirit is received by faith and continues to supply strength through faith. We enter God's family when God's spirit moves into our lives, which happens when we trust. We trust. We trust in who Jesus is, what he's done for us in the gospel, the good news of one who would die for us and rise again. We trust. And when we trust, God's spirit moves in. He moves in by faith. But listen, as we walk that out, it doesn't switch over suddenly to how, how you know, much effort we can put into that alone. It continues to be this trusting of continuing to being filled and strengthened by his spirit. And he says that still happens by faith. What makes Barnabas tick? This is it. He had great faith in God. And out of his great faith in God... The Holy Spirit became powerful in his heart. And when the Holy Spirit became powerful in his heart, his life became marked by goodness. And as a result of that goodness, Barnabas was a man that if he was gone, he would be missed. he would be missed. He was a good man, verse 24 says, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. I want that said about you. I want that said about you. What, what makes him tick? What makes her tick? She, she is, she's a good woman because she's full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And out of her faith, the Spirit works in her life, and the result is just a heart of goodness that affects the people around her. Oh, she would be missed. Let me show you some of the practical picture of how this goodness works out in Barnabas' life. The first thing that I see Barnabas had was what I call an empathy for those on the outside. An empathy for those on the outside. It says in verse 22, go back to chapter 11, news of this, and the news again is that the Gentiles in Antioch had believed. 
News reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas. Why would they send Barnabas? There, there were, there were, there's thousands of believers by now, thousands to choose from. We got lots of apostles. We got, lot, we got some elders. We got deacons. We got lots of people who could have been sent to Antioch. Why send Barnabas? And I'm telling you, I believe it's because Barnabas earned the reputation for caring about people on the outside. Anybody remember the story in the book of Acts where a guy by the name of Saul, which then became Paul, he put his trust in Jesus and his life was changed. Because do you know what he was doing before he put his trust in Jesus? He was persecuting people who would put their trust in Jesus. That's what Saul did. He would hunt them down, put them in prison. He was persecuting the Christians until the day came that Jesus interrupted his journey, a head-on collision on the road to Damascus where Saul put his trust in Jesus. Now, I'm saying, let's say that was our day. Let's say that, you know, we know of a guy named Saul, and what he does is we have to keep a lookout at, at the church um, building doors every Sunday because he might try to come in here and, and arrest people. He, he might try to, to, to beat some people. We know he exists. And what happens when we hear that Saul put his trust in Jesus and next week he wants to come to church. Now, there's a little bit of us that wants to act like we would go, oh, that would, just, that would be so fantastic. The truth is, most of y'all going to get here early so you can sit near the doors. Because we don't really know if he really put his trust in Jesus or not. Or if he's going to drag us out of here this week, it's just his way of getting on the inside. You understand what I'm saying? Who's going to trust that? Check out this story. Acts chapter 9, verse 26. It says, when he, and that's Saul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But who... Barnabas. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. I'm saying, I think the reason that the church in Jerusalem sent Barnabas and, and, and Barnabas alone, right, to, to the church in Antioch is because he had the reputation about not being afraid to care for people on the outside. He had an empathy for those on the outside. Later in this series, I'm going to tell you about another instance when Barnabas befriends another young man who was on the outside. And because Barnabas did that, the result of his action is almost immeasurable. In it, there's going to be a lesson for us 
A lesson that involves how you and I as the church see the next generations that are coming along. It's a lesson for us about how we engage and develop young leadership. It is a lesson that I believe is key for our future. And Barnabas will teach it to us in this series. Well, how does faith that Barnabas has produce this kind of goodness that you would care about people on the outside? It's because genuine faith knows the wonder of being on the outside, but then being accepted on the inside. Right? Genuine faith knows what it's like to be separated from God and locked in our sin, but then to have God make a way, building a bridge by the, by the cross of his son that we might be freed from our sin and that we who were on the outside could be brought to the inside of God's presence, of his care, of his family. Real faith knows that. It sort of has this built-in empathy for those on the outside. If you want to be missed, if you want to live a life that would be missed, you're gonna attach it to those who are not on the inside, but those who are on the outside. It must always be about seeing and reaching outward, just like God sees and continues to reach outward. Watch what happens. Verse 23, three words, when, he arrived. The church said, we need you to go. And verse 23 says, when he arrived. Here's what that tells me. Here's what I see in Barnabas. A willingness to follow God's direction through the church. I mean, it's one thing for them to see the need. It's one thing for them to say, Barnabas, you're the man. It's another thing for Barnabas to do it. But that's what he does. He goes. They sent him. He, he went. And you know what? I don't see any evidence in the New Testament that Barnabas ever lived in Jerusalem again. This wasn't a short-term mission trip. Barnabas is one of those people in the New Testament that teaches us our life is supposed to be a mission trip. Our life is supposed to be a mission trip. He goes, and he doesn't go back to Jerusalem. He doesn't. I think it's significant, too, Barnabas's connection to the church. He leans in, and he learns, he recognizes God's direction in connection with the church. One of the frustrating aspects about our culture is it is so individualistic that even that kind of thinking tends to, to bleed over into how we as believers at times interact, and a part of what we, part of what we protect against is getting too hemmed in by anybody, even the church. I don't really want anybody else having any control or say so in terms of what I do with my life. And I'm saying God's designed this thing differently to where he's designed you to operate within 
a context of people who also trust in him, who also follow him, and together it is amazing when you will submit to that plan of God in your life, it's amazing sometimes how clear his direction for you will become. That's what happened for Barnabas. In chapter 13, we will read about another time where Barnabas is with the leaders in Antioch and it happens again. And the Holy Spirit is gonna say, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And guess what? They're gonna leave Antioch and they're gonna go to the next place. It just keeps happening in Barnabas' life. He just keeps having faith in God God's spirit is speaking into his life, gives him direction for where he is to go, and he goes. He goes. See, real faith believes the missionary promise of Jesus. When Jesus said, go and make disciples and baptize them and teach them, he also said, I am with you. And it's like Barnabas knew that. The greatest way to know that you are connected to the presence of God, that the protection that will be needed, it will be there, that the provision uh, of resources, it will be there. The greatest way to do that is to submit to the missionary call of Jesus. He believes God, he reaches out. It really was that simple for him. I'm not saying it was easy, but I'm saying it's pretty simple. Can I tell you something that I've come to realize? Been at this a long time. I've been with some of you a long time. And we've seen a lot of cool things. But I've come to learn our greatest days, our greatest seasons at Heart of Life have been when we simply prayed that God would give us the ability to leverage our lives for his missionary call for us to continue to reach, to give us greater territory and to give us greater influence. We prayed it And then we simply kept walking into that direction. And come on, some of you remember there were times that sometimes God had to give us even land and buildings to see that stuff happen. He did it. You want to know what our weakest days have been? Our weakest days have been those seasons where we have decided that we have gone about as far as we are comfortable going until we are better able to handle more. Until we have more resources, until we have more pastors, until we have more leaders, until we have more maturity. I sort of phrase that as when we started believing that somehow we really knew how to make it grow. 
And we feared more losing what we had than we feared not going after what God had called us to go after. Those seasons have been the greatest struggles for us. Those are the seasons when the most selfishness seems to rise. Those are the seasons where questions like, what are you doing for me and my campus start to surface. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be intentional. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be on purpose in terms of developing and maturing. I'm just telling you that the same grace that calls us into action tends to be the grace that supplies the stuff that we think we need to take the next steps. And it happens in those moments of obedience. It happens when we are continuing to step and to trust. I mean, we want to be intentional with that. TJ told you about a class that's coming the end of this month, an equip class. That class is about giving you, well, it's a hermeneutics class. You're like, herm who? Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics means it's the, it's the principles of how you pick up your Bible, read a passage, and know that you are walking away from that passage interpreting it accurately. We need that. That helps us mature. That helps us grow. And so that's, that's the kind of stuff. We got to be intentional about it. We really do. But here's what I'm also reminding you. God has given us a vision. He really has. I call it a circle of influence that I think God has put on our heart for some time now. You know where it started? Here. It started right here. Right now, this is the piece that's on the east side of that circle. We saw it spread to Adrian. We saw God do miracles to give us that. We saw it move um, to Lee Summit in the north, Adrian in the south, Lee Summit in the north. We, we saw God move some incredible mountains in all that. Harrisonville's right in the middle. And for us, Lewisburg is to the west. And I don't mind telling you that I believe with all of my heart that one day, one day, all five of those will be fully functioning campuses one day. It may take us the rest of our years. And then the next generations are going to pick this thing up and roll with it. But here's what I know. When God brings that circle together, what those five entities could do together to start churches and start churches and start churches, not just even in this area, but all over the world. And that's what our God's about. If you think that it is just a coincidence that we have raised the funds to start a church in Togo where, where it is a people group that do not yet know who Jesus is, we have been given the opportunity to start one. We've raised the funds to start one. We have leaders to put in place. And the country closed down. 
due to the unrest in the country. Now, am I the only one who really does believe there is an enemy who is that crafty that he would do everything that he can to shut down a new church start in a people group that does not yet know Jesus. We need to be on our knees fighting forward that that window would open again and we could finish what God has called us to do. Anybody else, do you see that? We, We pray, God give us that opportunity. God give us that opportunity. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Verse 23. When he, Barnabas, arrived and saw what the grace of God had done. He saw what the grace of God had done. I call that consistent vision of God's grace. That's what Barnabas has. A part of Barnabas' ability is to look into every situation and even with a brand new small body of believers and all of the weaknesses, all of the struggles that would come with that, what Barnabas sees is grace. By the way, if you find those people in your life who see God's grace, you better latch on as tight as you can. There are plenty of people who can make the list of weaknesses for you. There are plenty of people who can show you what's wrong. You find the people who can see God's grace in the circumstances, that's who you want to hang out with. Why was it that way for Barnabas? Because that's what faith does. Faith lives by grace. Faith spends its time looking for grace. The winter reminds me of um, a time several years ago that On a particular evening, I arrived at my house. I parked in the driveway because there were several cars up around the the garage. And apparently, between my car and the house, I lost my keys. I dropped them. And that night, it snowed. And it iced. And my car was not the vehicle, that, that the vehicle I had was not necessarily the one that we would travel in in the ice and the snow. And so several times we were driving over our driveway, which was gravel at that point. And it was several days later, and I'm like, where's my keys? Can't find my keys. And the thought hit me, did I drop those crazy keys before the snow? And now they are packed somewhere in the ice on our driveway. What do I do? You know what I did? I borrowed a metal detector. True. I borrowed the metal detector. I walked right out to where my vehicle was, between the house and the vehicle. Beep, 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 beep. I start chiseling into the ice, and there are my keys. Listen to me. People who have real faith, they are like a grace detector. If their faith gets near even the tiniest aspect of grace, you hear their life sound off. It is somebody who always has eyes to see with God's grace, God's power and work around them all the time. Those have been our best days 
when we simply prayed, God, would you enable your church to join you in doing some things that it makes no sense that we should be able to do it? Because we don't have the resources, we don't have the manpower, we don't have the money. God, would you attach us to what you want to do in this territory that when it's done, everybody's going to look at it and go, God's grace is amazing. And then we just started watching for it. And beep, 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 it was going off in every direction. Then look at this, verse 23. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was what? He was glad. Because the grace that's working right here, is this grace in his life? Well, kind of, but really it's grace in their lives. In other words, we see this celebration of God's grace in the lives of others. That's what real faith looks like. It doesn't just celebrate the grace that's being poured out to me. Real faith celebrates the grace that I see being poured out to people all around me. It becomes an addiction. It becomes an addiction. The more grace you see and the more grace that you taste, the more that, that, you, that you gotta have when you're near it, you recognize it and you rejoice over it. And you know it's real when you can celebrate it in the life of other people. It's what kingdom of God looks like. We say it all the time. This is bigger than one church, right? This is, this is about the kingdom of God. It's about all of his family. It is the aspect of who we are as a church and our structure. The idea of campuses and how we work that together. I love what that does to our hearts to ensure that we are actually kingdom people. I often tell folks who come to um, like our our you know, get started class, new members, whatever you want to call it. I often tell them, you cannot, you cannot be selfish and be happy here. You can't. Because this is not about one campus. It's not about just the campus wherever you land. It's about a church and it's about together making a greater impact. And one, I know that it's a threat, and we knew it going in. This is a threat to our structure as a church. Don't you know that the enemy would love at any point to start pitting one campus against another? Don't you know that? Can we just say that? And everybody recognizes it's one of, it's one of the threats. Don't you know he'd love to do that? Because that's what he does to churches all the time. Right? We see it happen with churches. Churches are bad-mouthing churches, and churches are bad-mouthing churches, and they're talking about this. You know that's an enemy who just loves to stir that stuff up. Don't you know that he would love to, at any point, accomplish that with Heart of Life? Where, what's, that, what's that campus getting? And, and what, are, what, are, what are we getting? And what's, this, what's happening here? And, and what's, don't you know he would love that? But here's the positive side of it, which I love more than that threat. If we can't work together as a tight group 
of people who meet in different locations a few miles apart, we better not have the audacity to call ourselves kingdom people and that we somehow have this big vision of a family of God in every church and every people. No, we're not. Our ability to love each other as campuses and one church really can be the evidence that we are the kingdom people that we claim to be. I made this commitment to you some time ago. And as we, I mean, we're kicking off a new year and you can already tell, I mean, we're talking about where do we believe God's gonna take us and what do we think God wants to do? We, we, we cannot operate with leaders that can't see past their own nose. It won't work. It won't work. It has to happen when we have faith in a great God whose spirit works within us, that that gives us eyes to see God's grace at work all around us and a faith that says, God, would you do and allow us to join what only you can do? One more, verse 23. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Verse 23. I call that encouragement to set hearts on staying close to Jesus. That's Barnabas' life. He's just encouraging people, stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. Right? What, what are you saying? You got a decision to make. Stay close to Jesus. Whatever you're about to do, stay close to him. What's right? What's wrong here? Stay. Genuine faith fights against the temptations of unbelief. Genuine faith, it knows that life, it depends on this daily, in God's word, daily, on our knees, with him, daily, fighting forward. So I'm going to tell you one more time. Verse 24, Acts chapter 11, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And what was the result? A great number of people were brought to the Lord. In other words, there is this gigantic section of heaven right now that would say, oh my goodness, if Barnabas had not. If Barnabas had not been willing to come to us, if Barnabas had not been willing to see with eyes of grace, if, if Barnabas had not been willing, oh my, would he have been missed. I don't mind telling you, when all this is said and done, I want there to be some gigantic sections of heaven that would say, if heart of life had not been willing to go. And if they had not been willing to believe, if they had not been willing to look to the outside and not the inside, if they had not been willing to be unselfish about how they did this together, if they would, if they would, not, if they would not have, oh my goodness, how they would be 
Mist. I'm excited about sharing the next several weeks Barnabas' life. And I think the vision that God continues to call us to as a church. Before I pray and before we sing and band, you guys can come on up. We're going we're to sing here for a little while. Just being in his presence and leaning into the fact that we need him. You know, one of the things we, we want in 2018, in order to be missed, there, there has to be connection. And, and we want to see even greater connection of our campuses into the communities in which we live. Um, anybody remember LOL? Any, any folks been around long enough remember LOL? That was good stuff, wasn't it? Remember LOL? That was good stuff. We called it LOL because it's love out loud. Love out loud. This wasn't laugh out loud. This was love out loud. And, and it gave us the opportunity to connect to our neighborhoods, our territories, and we just tried to find out what some needs were in people's lives. And maybe a, a yard that needed a little bit of, of uh, work done, some flowers planted, something. And there were times over weekends that we, we did like 70 different projects in people's homes and lives. And it was just a chance for the church to be the church. You want to do it again? What if we did it four times? What if we did it once here? And we go after the neighborhoods. And then what if we did it once at Lee Summit? And what, what if we did it once at Adrian? And then what if we did it once at Harrisonville? And what if we did it all together? And every place helped every other place out. And we pick certain neighborhoods and we find out it'll kind of depend on the time of the year. Obviously, we ain't doing it four weeks in a row, all right? I mean, I hope you're doing it four weeks in a row, but as far as us as a church, we will spread it out over the year. And what if at each, low campus, each location, we, we pick a neighborhood, we pick a territory, and we step into some yards, we step into some lives that maybe one day one day from heaven, they're saying, man, I'm glad that those people got out of their chairs and into my life because now I know Jesus. God, I pray that you would help us. God, as we move forward, as we try to listen to your voice, God, as you would give us faith, God, your spirit working within us, God, would you help us to believe, but help us to understand that our belief means that we act. I thank you for what you're going to show us, God, as individuals and as your church. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. We'll be over here on the side. If you need some prayer today, we'd be honored to pray with you. Things going on in your life, we'd be honored to help. We're just going to hang out for a little bit. We're going to worship. We're going to sing. I encourage you, he is, know he is with us right here. Let's sing to him.